Shalom mishpocha. Shalom family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the mishpocha, the family with a Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people. We're the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile. It's finally come down to form one new man. Getting ready, mishpocha, to blow the grandest shofar or the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone everywhere to hear the good news. We want everyone everywhere to be red hot for the Messiah. I have Dr. Sandra Kennedy on the telephone, and as far as I'm concerned, hers is one of the neatest creative miracles uh, that we have ever had. And the thing that's so exciting about her creative miracle is I'm going to walk her through step by step what she did and she believes, and I believe, that anything she did, you can do also. So therefore, uh, I, I always have been wondering about this. Sandra, I know when you were a young child, maybe nine years of age, uh, you felt God spoke to you. What did he say? He said, uh, one day I will use you in the healing ministry. Did that have any any comprehension? I mean, you were raised Baptist, evangelical. Uh, you believed in healing, but uh, uh, nothing spirit-filled or charismatic. Uh, so what what meaning did that have to you at that age? Well, it you know, I always believed that God could do anything like a little child. God could do anything. And when I heard that, of course, I didn't quite understand it, but I did. I have to admit, Sid, I, I did start praying over all the dead things I saw on the farm trying to see if I could get any of them to come back to life again. Now, did any come back to life? None of them did. I didn't think so. Okay. And then in the early 70s, about 71, uh, your mother is dying. She's in a coma. Uh, And, of course, you're very, very concerned. Uh, What happened? Well, I came came home, and I I, uh, flew in on the plane, and I had an experience with God on the plane, which simply told me I heard in my spirit to tell her the first part of the Lord's Prayer. We simply went, you know, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and tell her there's no sickness in heaven. So I came home, and uh, uh, Mother was in this coma. She did not even recognize I was there. They had given her less than 24 hours to live. At that time, they would bring people home, you know. Uh, you didn't have to stay in the hospital to die, and so she'd come home. And so I pulled up a chair by her bed, by her almost lifeless body, and I began to quote, uh, said exactly what I just said to you. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mama, there is no sickness in heaven. I said that for five hours. Five hours? Why Why did you do it for five hours? I would have done it for five minutes, max. <laughs> well, I, because I had heard that it would make a difference, so I just kept doing it, and 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 uh, I just kept on until I got some movement, and finally her little eyes began to flutter, and and then uh, she finally came to, and uh, from there I had never anointed anybody with oil in my entire life, but I remembered that little scripture, so I went and couldn't find any oil, but I found a can of Crisco, so I took a can of Crisco. <laughs> Did you put the whole can on her? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, the bottom line is. Praise God, she was instantly healed, and I saw her medical report at the Medical College of Georgia, and they wrote across it, Miracle. Now, okay, God says he's going to use you in a healing ministry. God tells you what to do for your mother who is dying. She's instantly healed. Um, 
But about 30 years ago, now it hits even closer than home. It hits you. You're in a horrific auto accident. What happened to you? Well, my back, I was injured with my back, and I was told that I may never walk again. And I was in and out of the hospital and uh, going to every kind of doctor that I could go to. I mean, I was in such a state that I I couldn't even raise myself up in the bed. I couldn't turn myself over. Well, did any doctors give you hope that uh, everything will be okay? Well, they just kept saying, we question whether you'll ever walk again. Hmm. We question whether you'll ever walk again. And I kept going to all kind of therapy and all kind of everything. Of course, it took months to even be able to move. You know, I couldn't be left alone. And uh, so uh, I I began to reason in my mind that if God had to be bigger than this and that uh, if God said he was going to use me in healing, well, I had to get myself healed, you know. And and, uh, I just began to quote his word and stand on his word and said, God, you are bigger than this. And I said, you said that by your stripes I'm healed, and I just began. That's what I— but, but, wait, but wait a second. Everything you were taught is God works in mysterious ways. How did you have the fortitude to fight through that, uh, even for your own healing? Well, I, I don't know if you just call me a stubborn country girl. I don't know what you <laughs> want to say. <laughs> but or filled with tenacity, I have no idea. I just knew I wasn't going to lay on that bed. And I knew that God had to be bigger than all of this. And, of course, by this time, uh, Sid, I had had a visitation from the Lord uh, telling me about the ministry he was calling me to. Uh, just briefly, what was the visitation? What did he tell you? He, uh, I was coming back from the seminary, and I had a, a vision. And at that time, I didn't know anything about vision, but I had an open vision where Jesus stood by my side. And he told me uh, that I would pastor a church. You have to remember, I, I didn't even believe in women pastors. Told me I'd pastor a church, gave me the name of the church, told me uh, all that would be, we would happen in it, the signs and wonders that I would see, and uh, gave me detailed information about it. Scared me, because I, again, I'm seeing, I'm literally seeing Jesus stand by me, telling me about this ministry he was calling me to, and uh, telling me the ups and downs of it, but to prevail. And that we would, you know, be, he would see me through and be there with me. Now, when I say literally see him, I mean like if I were sitting there with you right now, I mean literally saw him. But you're going to a Baptist seminary that doesn't believe in what God's called you to do. Uh, how did you handle these two conflicting things? Well, it scared me. I did nothing with them. I didn't tell anybody because I was literally taught that signs and wonders had passed away. But I knew it wasn't so because I had seen this thing happen, you know, with my mother. And uh, I'd seen so many other little things happen. And even when I was at seminary, I used to pray for people to be healed. And, and uh, I would see them healed. And, and uh, I, just, I just knew that God, my whole answer, it sounds so simplistic. I just knew God had to be bigger than this. Or I didn't need him if he wasn't bigger than I was. Okay, you're laying in a bed. The doctors say you're not going to get better, uh, but you say my God is bigger. You don't know a whole lot, but you know my God is bigger. Uh, You did have some visitations, which was good, but everything you were taught was the opposite of what you were even saying. So what happened next? I rolled myself over on the floor, fell out of the bed, fell on the floor, and said, you know, Lord, if you don't help me get up from here, I'll never get up. 
and I just began to shout his word. And as I shouted his word, it was almost like with my mother, as I began to speak the Lord's Prayer that, you know, there's no sickness in heaven, it was like life in my inner man. It was like life in my spirit man. And, and strength began to come to me. And it didn't happen instantly. This, this took a year or so. I mean, it, it didn't happen instantly. Wait, why didn't it happen instantly? I wish I knew. <laughs> I'm sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I really think? I think what? I was ignorant. I think I, I didn't know as much as I know now. And plus, everything doesn't happen instantly. Most everything is a process with God anyway. Yet, you know, when we read the Bible, I, at least take myself, uh, I was saved when I was 30. I'd never looked at uh, the New Testament coming from a Jewish background. But when I did my first reading of the New Testament, my immediate conclusion was, well, if I pray in the name of Jesus, someone will be healed. And I immediately found out it didn't happen. Right, right. <laughs> but, so, but as you study the New Testament in depth, you find out that not every prayer is instantly manifested. Well, the Bible says, you know, that some were healed as they, as they went. You know, the guys that had leprosy, you know. As they went, go present yourself to the priest, and as they went, they were healed. And and uh, even as the the uh, the nobleman's son, you know, as he goes back home and he's met by his servant saying his son is alive, and he said, at what time did he begin to amend? And they and he realized it was the time that Jesus said your son would live. So there are many instances in the Bible where things began to take place. Okay, you tumble out of bed because you say, God, you are bigger than this doctor sentence for the rest of my life. And it took about a year. And you didn't, did you let up? Did you say, I guess it's gonna, not going to happen? Did you get discouraged? I would assume you would. Yes, I did. And then about the time I, I would almost what I'd call crash land, I would remember something I'd seen God do or, or I'd uh, you know, read the scripture, something would light my fire again. You know, the word of God is like a fire. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And I would find something in the scripture that would just would uh, encourage me again. And then I'd start all over again, you know, trusting God, believing God. And then, I, see, I couldn't reconcile that God had, had visited me and told me that he had a plan for my life. And here I am laying in the bed. Well, I, I tell you what, our time is slipping away, Sandra, but I want to make two of your wonderful, wonderful tools available. Uh, this beautiful book, Proving God, I, I really like the cover that you have. It's sort of like a, uh, you would put it on a coffee table. Uh, and then the three CDs, Proving God. What do you mean by Proving God briefly? I mean, taking him at his word, the Bible says you can come reason with God, that God says come present your case. I mean that someone will go to the scriptures, find the scriptures, meditate on them until they become real to them, and then come to the throne of God. And I say it this way, uh, God, I didn't say this, you said this. And I'm holding you to your word because you're not a man that you should lie. And I dwell on the Word of God until it becomes a reality. I get out of hope and flip over into faith as I dwell on it. It becomes a reality to me. And I hold God to His Word because of the faithfulness and the character of God. And I bring His Word before Him and present His Word to Him. And I said, you know, if you can't lie and if you're who you say you are, 
I will get out of this bed. I will be healed. And it will happen for anybody with anything if they will just stand firm on God's word, trusting him, letting him be who he says he is. Well, few people have seen the step-by-step process that had you have these great healing miracles, uh, not, not only from the auto accident, but a creative miracle. Most believers do not understand, and as they take these steps, I mean, it's not just for physical healing. It's for marriages. It's for uh, peace. It's for wisdom. It's for protection. Uh, I'm going to promise you something. Wherever your faith is, it will grow exponentially when you get this series available for a gift of $35. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. 1-800-447-2697. Okay, you're, you're playing around with your, your beautiful, adorable little dog. What kind of dog was it? Shelty, little Shelty. Okay, and all of a sudden, uh, the dog bites through your upper lip. Explain what happened. Uh, you know, a Sheltie has a, it's like a small collie, got a pointed nose. I was getting up off of a sofa, and uh, when I went to get up off the sofa, I kind of bent down a little bit, and she jumped up, and our heads hit, and her mouth closed on part of my face and came down and totally closed on my lip. Of course, I did not know that she had taken off basically almost a third uh, to a half of my upper lip. I didn't know that because blood just went everywhere. It was an accident, a total accident. And uh, so I, I get a towel, Sid. I call some friends. I said, I think I need to go to the emergency room. I get to the emergency room. But, 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 no, I, I want to know something. You didn't realize how serious it was, but... What, what type of prayer did you pray? What, what, anything? Or I'm, I'm just running to the emergency room. No, I said, you know, I remember there's so much blood. I just said, you know, I remember saying, you know, Jesus, my, help me, Jesus. That was about all. I didn't know what it was. And, and the uh, emergency room wasn't about five minutes from me. And I, I didn't think the lip, I just thought I had a cut or something. Because there was so much blood and then the, the raw lip. And I was holding like a towel on my lip. So I really had not seen it. It was late at night. Yeah, you didn't look at it in the mirror. You just grabbed the towel and put it on to stop the blood. Okay. And I'm just holding it to stop the blood. I walk into the emergency room. The first thing the nurse says to me is, where is your lip? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's an awful thing for someone to say. <laughs> Almost fainted, you know. <laughs> and and uh, I said, I don't know. You know, I don't know. And and then she said, you know, well, you, we need help real quick. You need a plastic surgeon. I didn't even know one. And said, we've got to, you're going to have to have surgery and all this kind of stuff. And so I remember that I asked a friend of mine who was a, a, a good surgeon, plastic surgeon. The guy came in, and the first thing he said to me was, I cannot do anything for this upper lip. If it were the bottom lip, the bottom lip will restore itself, but the top lip will not. And he said, all I can do is take you immediately into surgery and, and then do like a piece of pie, cut up another piece off of your lip to make it smooth so I can sew it together. And, and he said, and then it will take anywhere from, uh, you know, five to six more surgeries 
before you will even be able to smile again. And I instantly said, no, my God will do this. That is not so. I will never have surgery. I remember saying that just before I went in. I said, and let me pray for you. And I said, this is my lip, my face. I'm going to pray for you. And I woke up on the operating table hearing him say to the nurse, I don't know why. He said, I normally sew the two lips together. And I thought, dear God, don't do that. Well, wait a second. If you sew the two lips together, how do you eat? Well, I don't, I don't know. He said, I normally <laughs> sew the two lips together. And I heard him say that, and I couldn't say anything because he was still sewing it. And I'm thinking, no. You're a real captive audience, okay. <laughs> and uh, I said, no. And, and then he said, but something told me not to do it. And, and when I came out of the surgery, he said to me again, it would take, you know, possibly up to six surgeries. Uh, you don't know what you're dealing with here. Uh, by this time, he has pulled this thing so tight, my nose is, is moved up almost under one of my eyes. My mouth is totally whopsided. And, he, and on top of that, I'm a woman, uh, Sid, on top of that, not only was my lip gone, but he tied the thing in black cat gut. <laughs> Oh, my. you were a mask. You must, you must have wanted to go out and get a mask and put it over your head. I did. I, was, <laughs> I just was beside myself. And I had a healing explosion 10 days after that. People come from all over the nation. So, okay. Now, you, you, you've been preaching, teaching how God, God, uh, uh, is God honors his word. Uh, that all things are possible. In 10 days, you have this healing explosion, people coming from all over the country. Uh, all right, you're all, you're, you're kind of sewn up until you can have these plastic surgeries. And by the way, if they did all these surgeries, if they did it, what would the, was the prognosis? The prognosis was like as if I had a cleft lip and that I would never be able to smile again. That I would, I would never be because it would be so tight and I'd lost so much of that lip and they'd have to pull it so tight that I could never smile. I would never be able to see all of, no one could see all of your teeth again. And that I would always talk uh, with a, a little problem uh, because not being able to pucker or to make certain sounds. Uh, well, as a pastor preacher, uh, <laughs> that is not, that is an awful prognosis. Someone did not want you doing what you do today. <laughs> that was obvious. <laughs> right. And it was horrifying. It was horrible looking. It was horrible looking. Uh, okay. So I guess you get home. <laughs> tell, tell me what, I, I, I mean, you're a real person. You had real pain. You had real trauma. Uh, you've given a, been given a horrible sentence for everything you wanted to do the rest of your life. Uh, how did you handle it when you got home? Well, I looked in the mirror and almost fainted myself because, again, my nose was, they had, it, it was pulled so tight that my nose looked like it was kind of partially under my eye. My lip, my mouth was so totally whopsided. And I had a, I, and everything was so swollen, pulled so tight, my lip against my teeth, I could only talk out of the little teeny corner of my mouth. And so this is... But, but wait a second, I have, I have another question. Um, I know you believe in doctors. I know you believe that God heals. But so why didn't you say, okay, I'll have all those surgeries. And then after I have them, if it still looks as bad as you say, not being able to smile like a cleft palate, uh, 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 then God will heal me. Why didn't you just do take that tack? 
it rose up in me. You know, I had been doing these healing meetings and seeing God do every kind of thing and, and the Word. You know, most of us start off in hope, but we have to get in faith. And and I kept on the Word until it became a reality to me that God was going to do this for me. It just became real to it, me. It was too late. You believed it. <laughs> I believed it. And, and, and what I did to continue to believe it— uh, and this is what most people don't do, I got the Word of God and kept it in front of my eyes, as Proverbs 4 says. I kept all of the healing scriptures. I didn't, I didn't read any scriptures on Armageddon. I didn't need scriptures on Armageddon. I needed healing scriptures. And so I, I got all the scriptures on healing, put it in front of me, and meditated and kept quoting them and quoting them. I put them but, but wait, why would you have to do that? You've been teaching on this for years. You have healing explosions. You know these scriptures. Why, why did you do that? Because I am convinced that no matter what comes our way, we have to go back and start over every time to, to jar ourselves to really grab hold by faith that God will really do it. I think we know it in our head, but when something happens, we have to make sure we drop from our head to our heart. And the only way, you said it earlier— Knowledge of God's Word is what makes that happen. Okay. Um, I want you to tell me why you did this book, Proving God, and the three CDs, Proving God. I really feel very strongly, of, uh, and I've been preaching for a long time, but I felt that God supernaturally uh, touched me about doing this book on Proving God. I remember the day I was studying it, and, and, and I thought, you know, this is exactly what we all need to do. We need, we need to take the Word of God. We need to show that He is not a man, that He should lie. And we need to take Him at His Word and hold His Word up before Him, because that's what happened with my lip, because I refused to look at any pictures that the doctor tried to show me. I, I never had another surgery. I never had surgery. And, and uh, I put pictures of me smiling, and I put the Word of God over it, and I kept telling my lip, to do exactly what the Word said. I'd speak to it. I'd command that lip to reform itself. I'd command that lip to move itself and to, and, and to uh, become normal and to normalize. I commanded uh, my, uh, uh, you know, the, the different parts of the, of the lip, the muscles, the tendons, and the parts to move, to reform themselves, all based on that God cannot lie. This is what God said. He said he sent his Word and healed me. He said, by his stripes I'm healed, and he said he could not lie. Well, if that's the case, then, okay, show yourself strong here. I'm going to reason with you, God. I'm going to bring your very own word to you, and I'm going to lift it up to you, and I'm going to remind you of what you said, and I expect results. Okay, so you, you get home the next morning. It sinks in what you're dealing with. Uh, you get a hold of scriptures, and what do you do with these scriptures? I begin to quote them. I begin to quote them, and, and one of the first things that I did, Sid, uh, as I've mentioned before, was the doctor wanted me to look at a book of pictures of what supposedly I was dealing with. I refused to do it. So I came home. Uh, excuse me. The pictures were these people that after they had surgery, what they look like? Right, right. Okay. Now, why didn't you want to look at it? I didn't want to get that in my spirit. I, I, didn't, I did not want to process that in my spirit. I did not want to see because it, 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 the, the pictures I knew 
Uh, I refused to receive them. I knew what I was going to be looking at, basically. I did not want to put that in my mind. I did not want to put that in my soulish area. I did not. And so I refused to do it. And I said, I will not look at that book. And he, I remember he said, well, you might as well. And I said, I won't. And nor will I ever have an, a, another surgery. And so I, I went home. Of course, I mean, the shock, Sid, the shock of seeing yourself, plus all how swollen I was. Too. I, I mean, you must have looked, I hate to put it this way, but you must have looked like a monster. I did. I did. Matter of fact, it happened on a Tuesday night. On the Sunday, I came to church, walked in. The men's uh, choir was singing, and a group of the men on the stage burst out crying when I came in. Mm. because it was so horrible looking. But I just refused to let hell put me down, you know, at, at that moment. And again, I could only speak by taking a microphone, holding it to the side of my mouth, and I would talk like I was a... But Sandra, why you, you've got a lot of assistance that could have taken over... Everyone would have understood. It was a freak accident. Uh, why, why, did you, why did you do that? It was a principle of the thing. It was, a, it was making a liar out of my God. It was what I had been preaching and standing on. And if God couldn't do it for me, then he wasn't going to do it for anybody else, from my point of view. And that because, he's, you know, everybody, he doesn't pick favorites. And so I preached that God did this. And God would heal, and you, there wasn't anything too hard for God, and I needed a miracle. Okay, but before you even started speaking, you had about 10 days. Tell me what you did during those 10 days. All right, I, I, I went through my house and found, I called up the church because they have tons of pictures of me, and I said, give me pictures of me smiling really big. And I got a whole bunch of pictures. I put them all over the mirrors and all over the walls of my house, along with healing scriptures. So that everywhere I would look, I'd see me with a beautiful smile. And I would put that in and I would point to it and I would say, "That's I will look that way again. I will look that way again. And then I, every time I'd get in front of a mirror, I would point to that lip and I would command it in the name of Jesus. I'd take my finger and I would touch that lip and I would command it to reform itself, reshape itself, to grow and to expand itself. Now, now, when you commanded it, what were you believing? Were you believing it was going to happen? Were you believing it occurred 2,000 years ago? I mean, what was going on inside of Sandra when she was commanding? I was believing it was going to happen then. I think that 2,000 years ago, had at that time, I wasn't processing it, even though that is the truth. It, he did do it for us 2,000 years ago. I was just processing, expecting my God to make this move at the sound of his name and the power of his word based on what he said, I expected that lip to begin to uh, reform itself and to grow. Now, now, did you have any friends that would come to you and would say, uh, I heard you told the doctor you didn't want to have the surgeries. Um, I think you should reconsider. Uh, did that go on in your life at all? No, none, none told me. Uh, matter of fact, three were with me when, when they, I went to the hospital, and they heard me tell him that. And I was so dogmatic about it. 
and uh, they just said, we agree with you is what they said. I said, okay, don't, don't ever say anything contradictory to me. Don't, don't speak to me about it. Just out of curiosity, you were in a unique situation. The people surrounding you understood. Uh, wh- wh- what would you say to someone listening right now that's in a horrific situation and the people around them, their husbands, their wives, their children, their family, they don't understand? How can they take such a bold position? Well, for instance, my uh, these folks were basically my church members, but my family, my family did not understand and did not. Be, they suggested I go somewhere and try to get something done, and so I just quit talking to them about it. And what I said: if you can't say something positive, if you can't agree with me, then just don't say anything. And I refused to listen. They started on it. I'd walk out. I said, and then I kept saying, "Just wait and see. You're going to see what God's going to do." Okay, 10 days pass. Uh, I assume nothing has happened for the, uh, as from what you can see with your eyes. And you've got this healing uh, explosion thing going on with people coming from all over uh, to get healed. Tell me what you felt like going to be seen by the first time from these people who travel long distances to sit under your teaching to find out how to be healed. It was a very embarrassing moment because, again, we're talking with, with, with black uh, cat gut, so to speak. I don't know why he didn't use a different kind of uh, string, but I've got this black pat, uh, uh, cat gut on my face. Oh, pulling your mouth together where the hole was, okay. Yeah, and, and pulling my, my face over. Couldn't talk plain. I couldn't say, couldn't say, uh, couldn't speak very plain. And, uh, but... I thought about counseling, to be honest. I thought about counseling that uh, healing explosion. And then I thought, I can't do that. How can I do that? There are people coming. They may not look as bad as I do, but they've got things in their body that's terrible, a lot worse, and many of them eaten up with cancer, and many of them crippled and paralyzed and everything else. Uh, So I I can't cancel this. I have to stand up and, and show them. And I'll never forget when I walked down to begin that meeting, because I, it was just horrible to look at. I mean, and I, I remember saying, okay, take a minute and just look at me and get it over with. And, and again, I'm talking like, just hang a minute and look at me. That's how I sounded. And I, and I said, just look at me. I'm going to do this and, and get over the shock. My God's going to do this for me. And it, they kind of clapped their hands and got all excited to, to think I was going to do it, you know. And I, I never will forget, uh, Sid, I came in uh, that particular teaching. I was teaching on I'm a whosoever going after my whatsoever. And in between me and my whatsoever, you know, is a mountain. And you're supposed to speak to the mountain and, and re- remove that mountain. And I began to, when I got to that place, I turned my back on the crowd. This is the first part of the miracle that began to happen. I turned my back on the congregation and I said, it's every man for himself. And I began to speak and say, I command you to move. I command you. And I began to tell my mountain, which was that, that lip, I began to tell it how big my God was. And I didn't tell my God about how big my problem was. I told that mountain how big my God was. And I says, my God is big. My God can do anything. And I command this lip to move. And a just about at that moment, I felt in my lip a little movement take place. It wasn't big. It wasn't a lot, but it was a little. 
did, out of curiosity, did the thought hit you, oh, that was my imagination, or oh, that was just a nerve, or, or did, you, did you say, I know that's the beginning of my miracle? Yeah, no, it, for a second, for a split second, and then I, I mean, I, I kind of stopped for a minute, and then I kept on saying it, and I knew something had happened because my speech changed. I'll tell you what, hold that thought. We'll pick up here on tomorrow's broadcast. Uh, but we have your series called Proving God. Uh, it's a book and three CDs. Briefly, what do you mean by proving God? Are you, uh, that sounds kind of arrogant. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Matter of fact, when the, when the Lord first spoke to me about it, I thought, can a person do this, you know? And then, of course, I found those scriptures in Isaiah and, you know, said, you know, Come on, talk to me. Help us bring to my remembrance. Prove me. Justify your case. Tell me where you're standing. And then I realized that God wants us to believe him enough to come to him and say, hey, this is what you said. This is what you said, and I heard you, and I'm agreeing with you, and I'm standing on your word, and I know you can't lie, and I'm holding on to your word, God, and expecting you to do what you said in your word you will do. Now, in the book... You have, uh, in the book Proving God, you have what you call prophetic declarations for just about every subject that can hit someone. Uh, tell me how this works. Well, you, you find a scripture, you know, such as, as I was talking about healing. You find the scripture and you, and you uh, meditate on the scripture until it becomes reality to you. And then you begin, it comes real to you, faith. You said, you know, I believe this. And then you begin to, uh, with boldness and confidence, based on his word, you begin to say, I declare that I'm healed. This is what Jesus said. Oh, okay, I'm going to promise you something. This is my promise. If you get her book and her three CDs on proving God, you will go to a new level of faith. And with what we're in the last and last days. If you don't move to this new level, you're not going to be able to survive. But with Fighting the good fight of faith, all things are possible. Available for a gift of $35. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. 1-800-447-2697. My guest, Dr. Sandra Kennedy, uh, she really put herself in a situation. Uh, an accident occurs. Her, her dog bites uh, a hole in her upper lip, uh, and she goes to the do- hospital, and uh, they they just pull it together. Her her mouth is twisted. She can't talk properly. Uh, she she's told that uh, she'll always have a a, a cleft lip, uh, even with uh, a half a dozen or so surgeries. Uh, there's not much of a good prognosis. She'll never be able to smile again. She'll never be able to talk properly again. Uh, and she said, no, I'm going to believe God. So she went home. She would not look at the pictures, the people that had the surgeries that the plastic surgeon wanted her to look at. She didn't want to get that in her spirit. Uh, she goes home, and it's all over her walls. She puts scriptures about 
without healing. She puts pictures of herself before this accident occurred. But in 10 days, she's having a, a meeting where people are coming from all over uh, to sit under her teaching to be healed. She shows up at the meeting. Uh, she explains what occurred. Um, it took tremendous faith and fortitude on your part, Sandra. I have to tell you, uh, you could have easily called the meeting off and no one would have held it against you. And uh, and you you tell people to start speaking to their mountain. What did you mean by that? Whatever was wrong, for instance, whatever they, if somebody had cancer or, or someone uh, had arthritis or someone had diabetes or whatever the problem might be, that's the mountain. And I told them to start speaking the word of God to their mountain. You know, one of the, the Bible says very plainly that the word of God is forever settled in heaven. The problem is we've got to settle this thing in our heart. And so the only way you can settle it is by the more knowledge. It's not a lack of faith. It's a lack of knowledge because the more knowledge of God, the more faith you will build. And so I, most of us spend our time telling God about our problem. And you've got to do the reverse. You've got to tell your problem how big your God is. Now, let me ask you something. When it comes time to asking people to be in agreement uh, with prayer, uh, how do you, uh, how would you handle it if you were talking to a, a friend that uh, you know really knows how to get in touch with God? Uh, you said, don't talk about your problem, but uh, what would you do with that friend? Well, what I, w- I would say to them, you know, tell me what they have said. Tell me what the doctor said. Tell me what the issues are. Tell me what the symptoms are. Then tell me, first of all, tell me where you stand and what you believe. What do you think about this? See, I, my, what I thought was God was going to change it for me. What I thought was God's going to turn this thing around for me. And because I thought it, you know, as a man thinks in his heart, that's the way he is. I just knew God was going to do it. And the only reason I knew it, not because I had a supernatural visitation, I did not. I just knew that if God's word were true, then God, I, you know, I'll boldly say it, God, he had to do something if I held him to his word, if I could really believe his word, because he said all things are possible to those who believe. And if I would bring that word to him and, and say, this is what you said, and, and I go back to those Isaiah scriptures, you know, uh, you said, come, let's reason together and call to my remembrance. It's not because God forgot. He wants to know if I remember. He wants to know if I believe what he said. He wants to know if I will be bold enough to come to the throne of God and expect grace and mercy. And so I boldly come in with his word. And I would tell whomever, I'd say up front, make up your mind, what are you expecting? Now, you can talk and say, this is the problem. This is what they have said. This is what, if they, they say I'm going to die. They say I have two months to live. They say this, they say that. But what do you believe, because that's the beginning point. What do you believe? Okay, so you're speaking in front of this large, about how many people were there, would you say? Uh, 800, 900, something. Oh, that's a lot of people, and and they're there for you to teach on healing, and, and your face looks hideous. Uh, so you say, all right, I want everyone to speak to their mountain. You turn around, and you start speaking to your mountain, which is your lip. What did you say? I said, well, first of all, I said, it's every man for himself. (laughs) (laughs) As I turned my back on them, I said, it's every man for himself. And I just began to to speak the same thing I'd been doing in my house. 
I began to speak to that lip. I command you in the name of Jesus to reshape, reform, and to to grow and shape yourself. I command you to move. I command you to reform yourself in the name of Jesus. And I felt uh, about halfway through my yelling this, I felt just a little little movement, just a little movement in that lip. But it was enough so that I, my, uh, I could hear myself speaking a little better because it really took you to really listen to understand anything I was saying at, uh, up to this point because I'm holding a microphone in the very corner of my mouth, just speaking out of a little slit kind of on the side of my mouth because everything was pulled so tightly. And I said, uh, uh, and I felt it move, and I all of a sudden recognized that my the the words were clearer, and that I could say I couldn't say for a very long thing anything that had like a p a p p sound. Right. I couldn't I couldn't do that, and and uh, but I noticed that I was being able to say some things. Now it didn't happen. That one little movement happened instantaneously. Now I'd been speaking at it for ten days, but that one movement moved. It did not. I don't even know that anybody else could tell that it had happened. I knew it had happened. They could tell it and the sound of my voice, but looking at me, I don't think they could have told anything had taken place. But I knew something had happened. Okay. What happened after that? I then went back to the doctor because I was supposed to make these little visits, you know. I went back to the doctor, and he said, what are you doing? And I said, well, you want to know what I'm doing? And I told him. I said, I'm speaking to the Word of the Lord. I told him about putting all the pictures up of me smiling. I told him about the Word of God. And I said, I'm speaking to it. He kind of just ducked his head, and he said, whatever you're doing, just keep doing. And I've never seen him since. Okay. How long after that time that you went to the doctor did you have your complete healing? How long did it take? I would say eight months. Uh, uh, something within uh, when eight or nine months. It, did, it, it, it took a while. It did not happen instantly by any means. Were you disappointed? Because you had been, I mean, you've had healings yourself. You saw your mother instantly healed when she was supposed to die. You're teaching healing. You got the word inside of you. Uh, you must have gotten a little discouraged along the way. Well, I did, but I, but I, I was excited because I felt like I was learning some new principles, because what I'm saying to you is the basics of proving God uh, of the book and tape series that you're offering. It was these, these uh, fundamental principles that were really being learned then, and I was beginning to see some things, you know, come to pass. Uh, I, I didn't know it like I do today that I really could uh, just go charging into the throne room of God based on who he is, not on who I am, but who I am in him. It's all about Jesus. It's not me. I'm nobody. What you know today, do you think it would have been, you could have speeded it up knowing what you know today? I probably. But I, I don't, I'm not real sure because what I've learned, uh, Sid, is that through the years, we all, crises of life come to everybody. And we all go through crises. We all have aches and pains. We all things happen to, uh, to all of us. And the one thing that I've learned is that basically every time something comes our way, we're not, we don't, we're not automatically just some big faith machine out there that you can just instantly conquer everything in, in, in just a blink of an eye. I've learned through all these years 
that you, everybody has to go back to the fundamental, what do I think about this, and begin. For instance, I could have faith for my lip, and uh, maybe I could break an arm or something and, and not have faith for my arm until I built it back up again. A lot of people don't understand that. They just think you just are. Everybody, well, if you got faith, you got faith. That's not really so. You come back and, and you begin to speak the word if it were an arm. You, you come back and you begin to talk to yourself and, and speak the word of God until you get it, until it, in your heart it becomes a reality to you. And that's been a real learning process for me. And I've learned that you just have to go back. You begin again. I teach it constantly to people. You know, we have a healing center here. People come from all over the world. I think 14, 15 nations, every state of the union has come. We teach them these principles of you start, where do you stand? What do you believe? And then based on uh, how fast you build your faith, and again, faith comes by knowledge, the knowledge of knowing God, hearing the Word of God. The more I know about God, the more I know about his character and the more I know who he is, the more I know what he said, the more I, I have a relationship with him, the more I fall in love with him, then the stronger I am in believing that he'll do what he said he'd do. Well, I love the series. I'm sorry you had to pay the price, but as a result of what you went through, you learned. And as a result of what you've learned, you've put together a book and three CDs. Uh, it's called Proving God. Now, I believe anyone that goes through this will walk in new levels of faith. You make it so easy for us. You have prophetic declarations for every major problem someone could run, run into, not just physical healing, family problems, uh, wisdom, uh, finances, every area you could think of, you have these prophetic declarations. Uh, and what feedback are you getting from people that are uh, taking the course or or the book or the three CDs, Proving God? Well, in the church, I have had tremendous responses. I mean, we have had marriages changed and transformed, children come back into the kingdom, finances turned totally around, I mean, just un people who are barren, having children now, uh, uh, just ex very exciting things have begun to happen. Uh, people even uh, said animals are being healed. As people are, are real, real quick, like 10 seconds, tell me one animal that was healed. My very own. My very own dog's nose had cancer, and it caved in, and that nose grew back. Dr. Sandra Kennedy has gone through some horrific experiences and found out that God's Word is true. And what God has done for her, God wants to do for you. In fact, right now, people whose necks have pain, if you move your head, you'll see the pain is gone. And if you bend over, you'll see that the, the pain in your back's gone. In fact, pain anywhere, especially in your hip right now, it's gone in Jesus' name. Now, uh, Sandra, what I asked you to do is talk on the subject of the uh, book we're offering and the three CDs called Proving God. And I love these prophetic declarations. It's God's Word, personalized, and you can speak to your mountain. Mountain is defined as your, your specific problem. You have problems with your children, problems with your marriage, problems with your health, problems with your finances, problems with worry, problems with uh, uh, not getting wisdom from God, problems with investments, whatever. You 
you take the category and you pronounce these prophetic declarations and you speak to your, uh, your mountain and God promises it will move. Uh, Sandra, talk a little bit about the lessons you've learned in proving God as a result of the creative miracle you had. You know, Sid, I think one of the things, as I was listening to you, I think one of the things that uh, kind of gets people kind of caught in a little bondage they don't know how to get out of is they don't know that they have the right to come boldly to the throne of grace. And yet God really wants us to. I use the example often of a child, like a a parent teaching a child, and a child, uh, they tell the child, what to do and what to expect, such as when you get this and so age, if you do this and so, I'll buy you a car. And then when the child gets that age, the child comes back to the parent and said, well, when you said when I got here I could have the car, where's the car? I think God's like that. I think that God wants to know that his children have listened enough to him that we could come back and bring back to him what he says. Now, any parent will be happy to know that their child has even paid any attention to him to listen to what they said. And so God wants his children to take his word, take him his word at face value, come to him, reason with him, talk to him about what he said, and let the word be real truth to them. One of the things that, that happens to people, they think, well, God will do this for you, but he won't do it for me. But yes, he will. He'll do it for anybody. He's just waiting on somebody to step out on the word, and he'll do it about anything. I mean, it's amazing the kind of uh, marriages that have been restored. The, the people who, as I say, there's one lady who hadn't had a child for 10 years, now has two. Uh, the, it's, as they begin to pray and prophesy over themselves that they are not, God doesn't want us to be barren. God doesn't, doesn't want us to, uh, when weather comes around, bad weather, my entire church will stand up and begin to speak to the weather in the name of Jesus and tell tornadoes and bad weather to suck themselves up in the name of the Lord, and, and learning to, to speak in the name of Jesus, to pray over your animals, to pray about your finances. We've had more than 200 people come off of welfare by just taking the Word of God. They become tithers, they give, and they watch God as they walk. And it doesn't happen instantaneous, but as they begin to take the Word of God, believe God's Word, and they've learned to trust God for him to be who he says he is to them. And in, in every arena of their life, people are all the time talking about their children, and when they talk about their children, they'll talk about how bad their children you, how bad their children are, where the real secret is to talk to your children. You call those things that be not as though they were. You know, you don't tell them how bad they are. You go end up in prison. You go go to jail. You say, no, you're going to serve God. I see God on you. You're going to be, you're going to serve and, and be a great man or woman of God. You're going to walk out the the things of God, and you begin to speak over people what God says about them over your own life about what God says about you, and it's it's the same thing that you know that. Uh, uh, Abraham did with Sarah. He believed God, and he be, he began to I call it prophesy over himself. It meaning he had to quit looking at his own body, and he had to believe what God said. Uh, when Elijah went up for the rain, and he he said, you know, God's the one who said it was going to rain. I didn't say it was going to rain. God said, go tell Ahab it's going to rain. It was God who said it, 
And then all he had to do was follow through on the Word of God, what God said. And that's what I'm, I'm trying my best to get us to the place. Instead of thinking that we can't be that bold, God wants us to be bold. He wants us to believe him, to love him, to come and to trust him for the things of God. He wants us to walk in health and healing. He wants you to believe that you are healed. Instead of trying to get healed, he wants you to believe that you are healed and to begin to speak to your body until your body conforms to the Word of God. Don't let your body tell you whether you're healed. You tell your body it's healed. And no matter what it feels like, you just speak God's Word over it. Over a house, people need houses. I mean, you know, I drove down a street and I said, this is the house I want, Lord, and it fell within the context of what I could afford now. I didn't try to go outside of what I could afford. That's one, another principle. And I, I uh, went to that house. I felt like this was where God wanted me to live. I began to speak over this particular house. It wasn't even for sale, Sid. And then I'm coming out of church one day, and, and I felt I heard down in my spirit drive by that house I'd been looking at. I watched the man put up the for sale sign right in my face, and I bought that house instantly. I've done it with car after car. We've bought uh, our ministry. We're in our, our fourth facility here. Every single one of them have been done this way. If we would go, walk around, claim them, and, and just say, uh, we go up to baptize people up at the lake. And it's never going to rain on us when we go to baptize people. This is God's parade. Baptism is his parade. It may rain across the, the, the lake. I've seen it rain across the lake. I've seen it rain all the way going up to the lake. But in 20-something years of us baptizing up at the lake, it has never rained on us. It's rained on our way up. It's rained across the lake. But it has never rained on our baptism in 20-something years because we speak to it in the name of the Lord and use his name. No, you will not do this. This is God's baptismal service. This is what God is doing. We're here to worship God. We're here to praise him. And you make it a God thing, not so much a you thing, it's a God thing. God wants me healed so that I can serve him, not so that I can play a tennis match. He wants me so that I can show forth the goodness of God in my life and what God is doing. God wants me to have a job. There are people, so many people are losing jobs. I teach my people to take the word of God, look up scriptures on jobs. And you begin to say, no, I don't, I don't know about you, but uh, God will provide a job for me because I'm a tither. I'm a giver. I'm building the kingdom of God. And sure enough, God brings them jobs. Everybody else loses their job. They don't lose their job. It's amazing, Sid. It is amazing the kind of God we serve that wants somebody to take him at his word, take his word, bring the word back to him. You know, he said his, his word would not return unto him void. He wants somebody to pick up what he said, I mean, pick up those scriptures, what he said, return them to him, and he said they would not return void. But would you pray for our listening audience right now? Yes, yes. Lord God, I thank you that your healing powers are moving in might and power. I thank you, Father, that hope is all rising up in people's lives. I thank you that many a person who had no hope now has hope. And I pray, Father, that they will trust you and move from hope into faith to believe that you are not a man that you should lie, to believe that you would do it for them, not because they're wonderful, but because you are wonderful, because you are no respecter of person. So we speak to heart problems. 
We speak and curse cancer to the root. We call forth jobs in the name of the Lord. We call children to come home and serve God. We thank you, Father, that you are faithful and you are true. We're thankful that you always do what you say you will do. You cannot lie. Not that you will not. You cannot lie. I thank you for showing yourself strong on the behalf of your people. I thank you that they will just sit back in their easy chair and think, my goodness, what a God I serve. My goodness, how wonderful he is. He'll do it for me. I know he will. And they will understand that he's not mad with them. He's on their side. He's not angry with them. He's waiting on them just to cast their care upon him, to put their anxiety on him, to trust him in all situations, and to let his word be the final authority in their life. And Father, I thank you that you're going to do that. I expect to hear about healing. I expect to hear about ears popping open, eyes, uh, blind eyes coming, uh, seeing. I just expect to see, Father, particularly supernatural miracles with bones. And, and, and body parts. I just thank you for doing it. And we give you glory and we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, you know, Sandra, as you were coming up with that word of knowledge on bones, uh, I was coming up with arthritis in the fingers, pain in the fingers. Uh, if, if people will just move their hands right now, you'll see that that pain is totally gone. Uh, but I want you to get her teaching. It's going to inspire you. It's going to motivate you. That it's going to teach you things you should have learned a long time ago. It's going to fill in the gaps of what you were not taught and you should have been taught. The book and the three teaching CDs and the book has prophetic declarations for every area. You will move to a new level of faith, available for a gift of $35 called Proving God. This is a Shabbat broadcast. The Lord is blessing you right now. The Lord is smiling upon you right now. The Lord is surrounding you with his favor right now. The Lord, he's even gifting you right now. The Lord is giving you his shalom his completeness in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body right now in the name that is above every name, Yeshua HaMashiach Tzikenu, Jesus the Messiah, our righteousness. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming Mishpucha or Chalitzim, write to me, Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina. 
28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime, 1-800-447-2697. For all other calls, the number is 704-943-6500. That's 704-943-6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, send a donation to Sid Roth. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.